Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Adventure League and roleplay versus combat, as well as our home games. everybody welcome to the saturday morning D show my name is jordan with a silent ph in the middle and i am joined always by my wonderful co-host sir lucian over at sir lucian gaming say hello sir hello everybody i see everybody joining in <laughs> the chat i see him in youtube i see him in twitch i see him all over so it's great welcome to a saturday morning show so exciting to be here and uh sorry we weren't here last week poor lucian had uh electricity trouble but that just means that we have so much to talk about this week uh, which is going to be awesome. Um, yeah, and so uh, diving in, I guess. Yeah, Why not? Um, there is a D&D Adventure League community survey. Um, mm-hmm. So season, correct me if I'm wrong, Season 9 has not started yet. That's going to start with Baldur's Gate, I think. I could be or wrong. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Season eight is a mini season, so it's a much smaller season than seven was going to be or nine was going to be. So I think maybe, yeah, see, I think season eight is out, but now they're talking about season nine feedback. Right. So I think that was just the Secrets of Salt Marsh, and it was like a few adventures, but it was like a bridge season to get us into whatever's next. Well, so they they say here that they premiered changes to the adventure league's core document for season nine, which makes me think that season nine isn't out yet. So these are the potential changes that they're doing where there's going to be gold changes and, um, you can't have a character from a certain season be in another season and collect the same rewards and things like that. So they're, they're, they're trying to, I don't know, trying to zero in on, on how to make Adventure League a little more balanced, I think. But these uh, changes are out, and you can read them. Um, they are the v9.x document, version 9.x, and you can uh, do a community survey. So they have a survey out that you can do. So uh, we'll link that in the show notes. I should remind myself because I always forget to do that. But mm-hmm. um, we'll put the link in the show notes and in the show Um, and you guys can go do a, uh, a survey, I guess. I don't know. I don't play adventure league much anymore. So, but I think the, the changes are decent. I need Mm -hmm. to like thoroughly read them, um, which I didn't do before this, but it looks like you can have like a certain amount of gold and yeah, other, other interesting things for season nine. Um, adventure league's hard though. Like to really, like, I guess they had a lot of problems with DMs. Because the DM also wants a character, or that's how they were going to, like, reward DMs. So you could, uh, what's the word, like, like DM a game and then have a character alongside. And then they would take these characters that have all these ridiculous items and all this other stuff to these adventure con games and just kind of, like, clean house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I, they're, they're constantly trying to figure out how to, like, improve Adventure League. And I, th- I applaud them. I think that's good. I just don't know yeah. how easy it is so <laughs> yeah, i think the the pro I, I love the idea that you're going to reward dms who volunteer because most of the time at these big events when you go to a pax unplugged or you go to a gen yeah. con the 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 track of DD adventure league adventures there must have been in when i was at gary con there must have been 30 dms that had volunteered and i don't think hardly any of them if any 
got paid or anything. So they no, were trying yeah. to come up with a, a way to reward people who are volunteering their time and wanting to play. And I think that's cool, but I just think they missed the mark on how to do that. I think what they should have given them is things like give DMs um, DM screens or more content adventures that they can run for their groups at home when they're not running uh, adventure league stuff, give them um, cosmetic stuff, maybe that they can wear t-shirts or pins or cool badges that show that, you know, like I'm a, I'm a third year veteran of being a DM, those kinds of things, not necessarily a, a powerful character to play in one of the campaign games yeah. or, you know, I think, I just think they kind of, missed the mark but maybe they got feedback from you know these adventure league dms that said you know i i volunteer all my time to run these games but i never get to play and it would be nice if i got to play and if i got to play i got some cool stuff so maybe that's how that all had come about but for me i never think about when i'm dming and i'm starting to think about telling my players hey i'm doing all this stuff but now i kind of want to play too it's just, hey, find me a game to play in. That's all I'm looking mm-hmm. for. <laughs> or give me some time to play. Or somebody take over for a couple of weeks so I get to play and I get to do some stuff. And then I'm coming back to DM. Because I do DM because I love it. Like I And I think most of those people are that way. They yeah. don't DM because of the benefit. They DM because they love playing that role. They love mm-hmm. creating the world, making the uh, NPCs pop, deciding on what monsters are going to tackle, and reading into all the lore building your own world that's what the draw is for us which arguably you don't get to do hardly any of that in an adventure league setting because they're like you have to run pre-written modules you have to do uh you have to play in the forgotten realms or eberron you have to do so i don't know it's kind of i wonder if a lot of uh a lot of gms for adventure league aren't getting that necessary necessary they're not they're not feeling what it is to be a true GM, I guess. No, I shouldn't say that. That's not true because they're very much a true GM and they're running the game and they're doing a great job and you can have a great time playing in um, a pre-made world. But, you know, there are there's a certain creative aspect of actually like creating your own characters and picking the monsters and, and finding a riddle and, and incorporating that puzzle and that riddle into your game that you don't get to do with Adventure League DMing because uh, you have to run a lot of pre-written campaigns so i don't know yeah and you're not allowed to change them i'm pretty sure yeah yeah so it's i mean how do you come up with the perfect system that allows drop in drop out characters to somehow go through a cohesive adventure but yet not ruin the immersion of the players who are getting into this whatever campaign they're running right that that's the that's the struggle it's not for those groups that get to play every week and they're the same players Mm -hmm. That to me isn't really Adventure League. Adventure League to me is this week we had five players. Next week we only have three. The week after that we have four new people we didn't even have before in the first two because that group didn't show up. And then in the fourth week we have three people returning that had played before, but now there's a new person. I mean, and you're just trying to make some type of cohesive and fun game that can handle that. Yeah. That's pretty tough. You know, that's really tough. What the answer would be to that. So I'm glad they try to tackle it. I'm interested to see other games tackle it more. I would love to see how Monty Cook would tackle that. I'd love to see how the Pathfinder Paizo group would tackle it because Pathfinder's um, Pathfinder Society, yeah, is pretty big and popular. So they must be doing something right too mm-hmm. to have people to continue to come back. That room was always filled at um, Pax Unplugged when I walked by it, and even in the Gen Con games, there's tons of Pathfinder games you can find out there for the Pathfinder Society stuff. 
even the local convention we had here in little old Kalamazoo, it was 20 tables of Pathfinder and no tables of Adventure League. For whatever reason, I'm in a, a little Pathfinder oasis here. For Actually, for our- my local gaming thing as well, they had a, a local RPG thing in my hometown, and uh, it was 90% Pathfinder as well. Yeah. And so it must have, so, I mean, there's, they're doing something right, I guess, you know, yeah. people are excited for this. So, yeah. But yeah, give your feedback. Tell if you've got great ideas. I know our chat always has some pretty good ideas. So send it to them. Even if you're not playing in adventure league, send it to them so that they at least have something to think about um, to, to really come up with something good for us. Yeah. Um, there's a ua article coming soon but it's not related to the artificer what's that about (laughs) yeah yeah so uh, i watched the did the q a with uh, jeremy crockford on dragon plus they didn't answer a whole lot of questions they did a lot more just talking Mm -hmm. like hey what's your favorite uh this or what's your favorite that or how you know and then they would ask one question or answer a question um and so there wasn't a lot of meat to it if you don't watch this past weeks but the one tidbit i pulled out of it the one nugget is that the UA article is coming soon. So I'm thinking my guess is either it's next week all the way up to maybe before the end of August is over. I think we will see a brand new UA article. It will be not related to the Artificer. Uh, Jeremy Crawford said that the next time we see anything about the Artificer will most likely be in a book. And I think that's the Eberron book that hopefully we're going to get um, to interview the creator for, we're going to, I'm going to talk to him down at uh, Gen Con. He's going to be there running a booth and playing some game stuff and demoing a game he's got going on there. And I want to shore up maybe our interview with him while we're down there. So hopefully we'll have an interview with that when they do that announcement. So we'll see that book. And I bet Artificer comes out in the Eberron book because that just seems to make sense. Oh yeah. That we would get the Artificer in that. So that's my guess for that one. But the cool thing about UA articles. So think about this. All the UA articles we've seen in the past last year or leading up till now, or from Gen Con to Gen Con, if we did from year to year, if the year is based on from Gen Con to Gen Con, which really isn't true for most people, but we did stuff that has shown up in all of the books recently, right? So we did vehicle rules for boats, and that makes its presence in what you're playing right now, uh, Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that there are rules for um, sidekicks. And guess what? There's a book out right now that has a pretty predominant sidekicks. The D&D Essentials has quite a few of these sidekicks that you can use in case you're playing a single player game or you need to fill out a, um, you know, a way to fill out the party if it's small. So there's actually the rules are in the D&D Essentials thing. So we got to see that as I bump my mic. We've seen Artificer. It's going to be coming out in a book. He's confirmed. Um, Some of the other stuff we got from our Artificer had to do with uh, a few of the subclasses we've seen finally that came out in Xanther's, you know, guide to everything and, and all of that. So where I'm going with that is I'm betting whatever we see in this article now is going to be a very, very big hint to an undisclosed book we don't know about yet. So I bet whatever mechanic they're going to have us test out, whatever thing they're going to show us is probably a book after Eberron or not related to the Eberron release and might be something definitely after because they can't be tested for descent of Avernus anymore because they already yeah, they did can. war machine stuff. They did, but they could still be tested. You don't think for that's that. printed? No, like it's a PDF that they can 
totally edit and still change uh, I bet some they're of the already things. doing the printer for that really when does that come out september yeah it's not that far away uh, we'll see it's gotta be distributed gotta get the yeah, warehouse so it's mostly done it's mostly done. i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't have time to get feedback on any testing and then put it in that that's true i guess so because you want like so, a good two or three weeks before that so yeah yeah now it doesn't mean it's the very next book they have done where it's been a few books before it comes out whatever it is mm-hmm. because they gave us some stuff that ended up being in um Guildmaster's guide to ravnica before but it had been a year or two before they had actually tested something yeah so it doesn't mean it's the next book but i do feel like when we look at whatever article comes out we're going to be able to talk about it and say, ooh, we're going to really be able to speculate. What do we think this means? Does this mean Dark Sun's coming? Does this mean Spelljammer's <laughs> happening? Does this mean they're going to some other plane? Does this mean, ooh, it's got to be a hint to what's to come, right? So I'm excited to see what this one is. So it should be good. A lot of buildup for nothing that we have official, but <laughs> I just think it's going to be exciting little, little mystery for us to unravel and and, right. and give to our give our speculation to all our, our uh, audience here. So other than that, I did see uh, at Comic-Con, the big San Diego event that at one time in my lifetime I would like to get to. It's not something I think I want to go to every year. I know there are people that love Comic-Con, but it's Mm -hmm. over in San Diego. That's a big trip. I think a a once-in-a-lifetime go enjoy it. I think it'd be cool. But D&D was there, had a presence there, and they announced that to celebrate their five years of fifth edition that they're re-releasing what they call the tyranny of dragons book mm-hmm. with cover art, but it's really the two, two adventures that we all know and love thrown together, which is uh, horde of the dragon queen and um, rise of Tiamat rise of Tiamat all in one book. Basically you take your characters from one to 16. If you follow through all of that mm-hmm. and they said, it's not just putting the two books together and we're done. They also said that they actually went through and they smoothed out some of the, spots where they got a bunch of feedback where they said the leveling curve wasn't quite good or things weren't working the way it should. It sounds like they went back and they massaged that whole thing. So now it's going to be a more cohesive story, I believe. And it's probably going to fall in line with more of their later releases. Cause we all know that I think the early release modules had some, had some problems. They weren't great yet. They hadn't got their formula down yet. Um, they were a little clunky to run well and this I, one was written by kobold press wasn't it or, i believe so yeah, yeah it was the third party that wrote it um and and not saying anything bad against kobold press i love them but uh, i i thought it was really weird that they were like we're going to re-release this adventure um it makes sense mathematically and it makes sense for a lot of things but i arguably it's their worst adventure from what i've heard like people Maybe. are now it's their best. But if they change it up a bunch and balance it and do things like that and maybe add and, and remove certain aspects, like it, it, maybe it could be really cool. Cause like the whole idea of the story is, is really interesting, but uh, yeah, like I, I've talked to quite a few people and I think they, they truly believe that it is one of the, what, not that it's super bad. It's not that it's unplayable, but if you're going to rank all of the adventures rank. together, it's on the bottom. So yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that's a turnaround. Maybe this becomes one of the best. I yeah, mean, but that I, that new cover is really cool, and I don't I own Horror of Dragon <laughs> Queen, nor do I yeah. own Rise of Tiamat, so it would be really interesting to buy that. Um, yeah. The thing that's drawing me into it, and I, I love all the stuff that's been coming out, and I'm, I'm excited about all the cover 
artwork that's going on and all the storylines. And I, I love where we're going with Descent for Avernus and getting to go to Baldur's Gate. I love the idea of Secrets of Salt Marsh and having a nice, cool, compact adventure-like town to, to cruise around in or add mm-hmm. to your campaign. But if you're going to play Dungeons and & Dragons and you have a quintessential dragon adventure, that sounds to me like there must be dungeons and dragons in that. I got to have it on my shelf. I mean, I think that's <laughs> going to be the one that has to be, this is, this, sh- that should be their, um, what, it, what would it be like face of their company should be that adventure. They should put a lot of work into making that really good because it is dungeons and dragons all together. So yeah. I hope. I hope it's good. I'm going to buy it for sure. And then yeah, I to... no, I'm I'm now really curious about because I did a lot of research to make a, a Tyranny of Dragons um, video and mm-hmm. read through that adventure multiple times and got a lot of feedback from people that ran it and stuff like that. And so it was. Uh, I I feel like I'm very familiar with it, even though I've never run it. But it does. It has it has a couple of problems here and there, and there's a lot of a lot of times where I think they were still like, well, you need to use experience points. But I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think there's a couple times written in the module where it's like, and if they're not level five yet, just make them level five, you know, and it's kind of like, well, that, you know, they, they didn't earn that. They didn't, you've been handing out experience points this whole time. And now you kind of just like graciously bump them up and, and it's, you know, like, but, and I think they fixed yeah. that later on when they were like, listen, we want to do like with uh, storm, storm King's thunder. Mm-hmm. complete milestone experience like they want you to use yeah. milestone experience because yeah. that was the way it just worked out better you know for a mm-hmm. for a better story overall i think but yeah i don't know so this book will come out when or is it i didn't see a date yeah. as I, I saw them announce that they were going to do it i saw there's a bunch of pictures on the artwork but i didn't see a date yeah um well, i'll keep looking at some point if i find it i'll we'll but it post could be really it good. maybe maybe i mean because overall it's a really cool story maybe they they iron out the wrinkles and it turns out to be one of their best adventures we'll see mm-hmm. uh, artworks by hydro 74 which is the person that's been doing a lot of the alternate covers for the mm-hmm. books recently They're so cool uh, really good stuff i love my mordecanans um there's just some really good alternate cover stuff out there and so that stuff's good so keep an eye out on that we'll Probably as our we do our shows, I'll find that date and we'll we'll get that announced or at some point. We'll we'll see it. We'll find it. <laughs> cool. Um, oh, and it'll bring it's uh, level one through sixteen. I think I said it earlier, but just so any of you that were thinking about running it, think about a one to sixteen campaign. Mm-hmm. Other than that, um, Gen Con five days away or four days for me because I'm traveling on Wednesday to get to the hotel. Are you traveling on Wednesday? You're traveling no, on Thursday. Thursday morning. That's I wanted to get there Wednesday night, but there are just no planes that fly in from where I live Wednesday night. So it's early Thursday morning. I should get in around noon, I think. Um, cool. So, yeah. And then I'll just head straight to my uh, hotel, check in. And then onto the convention, and it should be really fun. Onto the convention. Uh, release date twenty second of October is what RPG DMCA found for oh, us. Oh, okay, cool. So keep an eye out in October, mid October for that. Sweet. Oh, birthday present so, for me. Yep. So big things as far as Gen Con for us. That probably means we'll see what's going to happen for next Saturday morning because we're not really sure. Yeah. Um, we're playing. We're in a game. 
For yeah, one. we're in a game, and I'm get done not by sure. Noon. Might get done by noon. I kind of hinted that I wanted to be done by noon so that I could do this uh, show. Um, yeah. And there's apparently Wi-Fi in the convention center, but we don't know how good it is. Right. Um, and I'm going to bring my Chromebook and my phone, and yep. we'll be able to stream live on YouTube and Twitch using those things. But it won't be super fantastic, but it'll be live and fun. So we're going to try that. So yeah. stay tuned for next week. But uh, don't hold your breath because it might not happen. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so maybe keep an eye on Twitter. And it'll probably be last minute. So just keep an eye on that because I'm sure we will post what we're doing there. That's the best way for us to... Because all, all Gen Con long will probably be posting Twitter stuff about, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, I yeah. am doing cool stuff. Or, so that'd be the best way to kind of know what we're doing. Um, I know some fans have reached out and said, hey, is there going to be a Saturday morning D&D show meetup of some sort? Nothing official yet, but it doesn't mean that we might not do something last minute if mine and Jordan's schedule is kind of aligned. Because really the funny thing is, me and him, we're going to Gen Con, but we're also just doing all kinds of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, like I was like, well, I'm going here. Job. And he's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to do this over here. And so, uh, yeah, we're not like glued to the hip or anything. Yeah. Uh, like last year was the kind of the same thing. You were like, well, I'm going to go DM these games. I'm like, well, I'm going to go over here and play in some kids on bikes games and do stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think we will do some more stuff together this year, but keep it, keep an eye on it. If there's a point where we think, hey, we're out hanging out at this restaurant, if you want to do a meetup or, hey, we're in this part of the hall. And we're yeah, just going to that's what I was thinking. Maybe we'll do like, a, yeah, yeah, like we're in the section of the hall or something and we'll. We'll yeah. uh, let people know that we're available for hanging out and we'll just kind of hang out there for a couple hours and see whoever wants to stop by. Cause we'd love to meet you. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. It'd be way fun. So other than that, um, I'm going to be doing a bunch of like, we're playing a couple of games and RPG games, which is fun. There's some big mega game that's going on that I'm thinking about getting into. That's supposed to be like some big event. Um, and I don't, I've never heard anything about it, but it's like, it just said it's, it's a mega event and it has like 150 people oh, wow. playing this massive game about diplomacy and saving the world. And there's a big catastrophe. And these 150 people are the people that are like the first responders or this is an RPG. Yeah. Yeah. D &D yeah. But or? it's like a homebrew oh. rule set mega game that only happens at a convention. And I think what it does is these teams get split up and then you work together working on whatever catastrophe is going on. And as you build to try to, to save what's happening, all the teams start putting their effort towards it. So obviously I've never seen it. It was interesting. Um, it was just a mega event. I'd never done a mega event. Yeah. So it cool. No, that's really um, cool. Going to do some cypher games, going to do some Robotech, I think. Definitely playing a bunch of... Um, tabletop board games going to get into. So that's the big thing for me, keeping an eye out for that and then going to some cool seminars and stuff. It seemed like the critical role stuff was all sold out. A lot of those big shows and they weren't even happening right at the convention. They were happening at other theaters the theater around, around the area town, or whatever. Yeah. So I don't think I'll get to any of that stuff um, this week, but the one thing I did recognize or notice that Pathfinder two releases august 1st so mm -hmm. the release is at gen con and if you remember um, the play test was announced at gen con last year i think so yeah yeah so this is it this is going to be a big push we're going to see the actual thing i saw roll 20 has been rolling out all their stuff so they are fully supporting it i'm sure the other uh, virtual tabletop supporting it um i'm forgetting it off the top of my head the one cody and all them use all the time oh uh now i knew it right before you said that uh, uh fantasy grounds uh, 
fantasy grounds i'm sure they have all their stuff ready to go um what i was interested in is if our audiences wants to know about that kind of stuff so if we add in some new stuff about the new pathfinder 2 so if there's events or news or if we keep track of it just like we're doing with dungeons and dragons that's something that's interesting or if we've got the hardcore D group that only wants DD news let us know in the comments so definitely yeah. post down the comments if you'd like us to see some more content that's related to up and coming stuff of pathfinder so adventures books releases when paizo's doing things what's happening at conventions just like we do with the dungeons and dragons stuff so let us know yeah it's um, interesting they're yeah. floating around on twitter they they released the official pathfinder 2 uh character sheet it's four pages long apparently <laughs> and the first page is just like hurts your eyes it is so busy and full of everything and there's all kinds of little minutiae of yeah. add this number here to get this number and stuff um and i think it was questing beast was just like uh ben from questing beast said that is the most quintessential pathfinder uh <laughs> page that i have ever seen because of just how busy it is and how overly complex it is which is you know pathfinder has a reputation for being really complex mm-hmm. um I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm like, I don't know if I want to try this just based on the character sheet. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to really dig, sink my teeth into Pathfinder in order to play a game of it. Um, where the beauty of D&D and the beauty of even Dungeon Crawl Classics was that I didn't really have to know that much before I could just start playing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, it's a throwback to the old 3.5 style. Yeah. And that throwback was definitely a four or five page character sheet where really? yeah. you had a lot of math to do based on the cool abilities. But some people do love that. Some oh, people, yeah. Like for a character builder, when you get to crunch numbers mm-hmm. and you're like doing all these cool numbers, I can parry with this number and I can do a block with this or mm-hmm. a dodge is this number, or, you know, all those different things. Some people love to just get into that stuff. So and I love doing that for fifth edition D&D. But the reason I love doing that, I think, is because I know it so well. Uh, I would have to really know Pathfinder to, to jump in. But yeah. I don't know. I, I'm really curious. I want to I kind of want to try. I, I played the play test at Gen Con last year. Um, and it was, it was promising. And, and I mean, it's, it's an R, it's a fantasy RPG. You roll dice, you have fun, you see if you hit, you know, you see if this skill works. It's yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's more or less the same thing. It's just uh, what, what flavor of ice cream do you want? It's still ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And it's still D20. It's mm. still using all the other dice for damage stuff. It's still close enough to your 5e experience that it's not too far off. Yeah. Where it's not like all of a sudden you're playing a, a shadow run um, dice pool based system and you're like, yeah. I've got to roll 20 d6, 18 d6s. Okay. And, and what does it mean when I get all these d? I don't add them up. I do something else with them. You know, there's a lot of different systems out there, but this one you should be able to transition. And I, I'm excited because Pathfinder was very popular during Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition. Back when we thought maybe D&D 4E was getting overtaken in, in, in it popularity. Very it much felt was. Like it, I think it did, was, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, mean, if you look at the numbers. No, no. If you look at the hard numbers, which I mean, I don't have them memorized nor off the top of my head or anything, but uh, it was, I think it did usurp D&D as the, as the most popular role-playing game in the United States. So, yeah. Um, and maybe this is their, their they, they got knocked down, fifth edition come out swinging, fifth edition come back to say, hey, we're the king of the ring, we're, we're the king of this whole genre, and they've done a great job of that. It's in every pop culture reference now that's on TV shows, it's on movies, it's on, 
it's just everywhere at this point. Cartoons are coming back. All that stuff's happening. But Pathfinder's like, all right, we got to take our swing now. So it's like they're just slugging it out. So I love it. I love the idea that there's these companies that are going to battle over giving us fun stuff to play. Like their battle is who can give uh, the players the most fun. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of battle I want to see day in and day out. Who's battling over how can we give Lucian more fun? Oh, this company did this. No, but this company gave Lucian more fun. Yeah, yeah. let's keep going. <laughs> it's it's really interesting to me that, you know, Pathfinder was a response to D&D 4th edition, but Pathfinder 2 is not a response to D&D 5th edition. Pathfinder right. 2 is a response to original Pathfinder. And from what I've been reading online and just Reddit and consensus and stuff, it's I don't think anybody, nobody asked for Pathfinder 2. And right. when people asked for D&D 5th edition, but I don't think, or, you know, subtly, like nobody was like pounding on Wizards' door and they're just like, make a new edition of D&D. But like Wizards knew that they had um, something not... They had not hit the nail on the head with fourth edition and they wanted to try again. And so people were chomping at the bit for that, that D and D nostalgia kind of thing. And, but with uh, Pathfinder two, I was, I just asked myself who asked for this, like who wanted this. And also it's seems not, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems more complex than Pathfinder one. And, and it's like, if, if that was your goal is to make it more, crunchy then there i don't know if there was like a really a market for that and and i realized that a lot of i think in general they just didn't have any more books to print for pathfinder and so the logical next step is to make a second edition to then be able to print a core book again you know so well and pathfinder put out a lot of books they did they had a lot of adventure paths and they had a lot of extra stuff and they were really i think there was 22 20 i don't remember what the number is but it's a huge number of books to add in to the base game of pathfinder Mm -hmm. so they are no slouches as far as putting content out so i'm i feel like i can't wait to see what they're gonna do with pathfinder 2 and i think you're you're correct is the audience wanting a more complicated game to get the same session because really if 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 i run a pathfinder game on monday night it's still an adventure it's still the players come to the town something happens in the town it's just what rule set is are we playing what characters and abilities do they get um i think it's going to be interesting to see how they fight back or if they even care like maybe like you said this is a response more to hey we did pathfinder one it was pretty good. A lot of people loved it, but we knew there were things that we could fix or wanted to fix or wanted to change and do. We're ready to do Pathfinder 2, not thinking about 5e. Yeah. Maybe. Or is it, you know, the second probable option there, they want to punch 5e in the face and this is how they decided to do it and said, hey, our game's just as good and, and it's going to be super popular well, too it, because yeah. Um, I just saw some shows already announcing that they're going to be doing a Pathfinder 2 campaign on Geek and Sundry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly how 5th edition started to get its popularity. That's mm-hmm. exactly how those kinds of things happen. So it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited that the two heavyweights are going to kind of come come at each other. And maybe one's completely outclassed. Maybe they are. But I love the competition. I love the idea that they're trying. Yeah. Props to Pathfinder for not just trying to make a... D&D 5e clone too. Like they they right. really are trying to make their own thing whereas 
Pathfinder one was just a response to 3.5. Like if you like 3.5, you like this. And so they're not doing like, Hey, if you like D and D fifth edition, you'll like Pathfinder two. Like they, they really are trying to make their own thing. And, yeah. and yeah. So I don't know. It's uh yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious. I, I think we talked enough about it, but. Well, the, the one last thing I'll say, because oh, I thought ahead. it was a really good comment from from the YouTube chat, was that them trying to get away from when, when people describe Pathfinder, they would always use the words, well, it's kind of like D&D 3.5. Yeah. Right? They probably designed this game so that that wouldn't happen. Nobody would say Pathfinder's kind of like D&D 5th edition. Right. Or, or D&D 5.5. They were mm-hmm. like we're getting away from that pathfinder is like pathfinder pathfinder is our game so i'm betting that might have been a big driving force in their creative work on where to take this game to yeah so that was a good point by uh chris i believe it was in your youtube chat good stuff all right other than that news is a little bit dried up only because everybody's getting ready to do gen con they're shipping their stuff there if they're doing booths they're getting ready for their panels if they're going to be there at panels i know we'll see some of the um dungeons and dragons crew out there though i don't know how many i didn't see big announcements of who all was going to be there they definitely don't have like a wizards of the coast booth that i yeah, know yeah they didn't last year <laughs> yeah. either so um so we didn't get a lot of stuff we don't have any more information other than that that was pretty much the dungeons and dragons news for the last couple of weeks yep what it should be lots of stuff to talk about next week or the week after with uh, gen con so that'll be a lot of fun yeah I can't wait. I'm already excited. I'm excited to talk about what happened. <laughs> um, so then we kind of dive into our games. What have you been? We had two weeks of games. What did you do, man? We had the biggest two sessions in my probably Revenor campaign yet. I feel like we hit a huge climax. I feel like the players had one of the best experiences they had. I mean, they were sending me messages after these last two episodes, like 10 out of 10 best game we've played, had everything we possibly wanted. And I mean, they were jazzed days after the, the final minute of the session ended mm-hmm. on Monday night for our, our seeking revenue. We had this huge build up to this uh, monastery. That's very Diablo like where it starts out pretty easy at the top and it gets harder and harder as you go below three levels now that you can go back and watch the the episode so i don't really care too much about spoilers um they fought some really cool unique creatures that they'd never fought before they felt like they could die at any moment but they overcame the evil and there's like this epic scene of what was happening at the very bottom was there was this prison of a demon who's trying to break out and the person that put this demon in this prison was a devil has to do with the, the the blood war. The devil has confined them there. But the devil found out that the demon has found a way to try to break out. So the devil had made a deal with the players to stop that. So the players are a little bit in with the devil at the moment, and they're going to go and stop this thing. So they've been working at it. They've been trying to do it. They finally get down there, and they're there at the final moment where this demon is trying to break through this gate they're within one die roll of it happening. There's a point where we're a couple of rounds and I'm like, okay, this thing's happening. And they're trying to break the thing that's creating the ritual that's going to let this big bad demon come out. And they break a couple of things and I make a roll. They're really good. They break a couple of things. I make one more roll and I'm like, okay, this is it. It's going to try to bust through. If this is a, you know, a natural 20, 
that is it. Cause they got there in time to really stop it. But I was like, he's giving it everything he's got. So I'm going to roll a dice. Here it goes. And if it was a 20, that thing was coming up out of the ground and was just going to annihilate Revenor. I don't know what was going to happen then, but I didn't roll it. They got to destroy the last little thing that was part of the ritual. And the thing goes back to just normal stone. Evil is gone from the area. There's no more, um, the, the clouds like dissipate because it had been perpetual darkness over this thing for for months on end and they cleanse it. And what's so cool about it is they love the battle. They love the back and forth. They got to fight a Tophet, which I got from the um, Tome of Beasts. I don't know if you looked at that creature in there, but it's a big, huge construct that has a big burning belly. And what it does is tries to grab people and throw it in the belly and do a lot of damage. It's like that kind of like that ancient torture device where they would put people in the, the iron um, bull light it on fire and leave people in there till they died kind of thing. Really gruesome kind of thing. This Tophet was kind of like that. And it was doing all kinds of cool stuff. They fought a necromancer that was throwing all kinds of spells at them. Really good stuff. Really good ending. Now they got enough money to build the stronghold because they have enough to rebuild this monastery as a stronghold. So they don't have to start from scratch. They can rebuild this. So we just dove into the, um, strongholds and followers book and they're super excited and in fact several of them went and bought it because they're so excited so now a couple of them own it so you're welcome matt coville i'm helping sell your book for you (laughs) and they're like we're going to rebuild this key and we're there we're finally in this part where i think we can say chapter one is done we're ready to move on to what chapter two is i'm excited as a dm um they've gone from levels one to five at this point through all that and all the people that have been played throughout the show have gotten to add a piece to that even as this group continues on and i think it's really cool which i'm really excited because this is normally the point in a campaign where i fizzle out where i'm kind of ready to i'm I'm thinking about i want to do something different or hey guys do you want to build some new characters and we'll go do some other thing normally that's where i'm at and most of my campaigns would end right about now that five or six level area and then we're done but i'm excited to see where we're going to go from six to ten with this group because i really think that's going to be chapter two um so the excitement's super high for me which is awesome what about you so you have a campaign that's at 11th level now at this point Mm -hmm. but is that an anomaly or is that a normal no, that that's my highest level campaign. I would say that's an anomaly. Yeah. yeah. So on most of the other campaign stuff you've done, what are the normal levels you've you've branched? Eight to nine is usually where we end up, and then okay. yeah. So a little so, higher than me then. Yeah. Good. I I lo- I have keep I keep losing interest somewhere around that five to six area, but I'm finally thinking I'm breaking through that ceiling. And See, I and it's funny past. because like, I feel like I'm losing interest with my 11th level characters and I've yeah. talked to them repeatedly about like, Hey, do you want to start a new campaign? I've got these books. I've got this idea. I've got X, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they don't like that idea because they really like their characters. And so they're like, well, we want to play, we want to play with these characters. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of, I keep doing it because of them. I keep playing and I keep writing content and stuff because of them, because they're, they're the ones that seem to be interested in their characters and want to keep going. Um, and mm-hmm. like I said, we haven't had a, we haven't had a good solid conclusion yet either. I think I need to get them home or they need to figure out a way of getting home. Maybe the last, the next leap will be the leap home. That'd be so. good. The shadow fell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been super cool for me. Um, just to have that excitement level still there yeah. this far into the campaign is awesome. I mean, it feels good to be excited about where we're going and the world I'm building 
is really fun. It's the the first world that I call mine, but I think what makes it work this time around, because I've tried to do it other times and you, you work on it for a week or two and then, then it kind of goes by the wayside. Maybe you run one adventure, maybe a group, but then you're done with it. You don't come back to it because you have a new idea or you have something else you want to do. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think what made it good is that I allowed many of our fans, like even Skull Dixon in chat there, played a character in this campaign. Uh, We had a lot of people that watched the show come in and run a few adventures. And that helped me build lore because as I was building stuff for the world, I wanted to to resonate with the characters they were making. And even though they're not playing now, now we're down to the four that are moving on. In some ways they made the world even better than I would have just by myself for the one group. Like it, it expanded it in a way that wasn't just relevant to the four players that are there now. It's relevant to a much wider group of characters that were there in the beginning. And it just felt so good. I, I may continue to do that. I may start my campaigns out where I let people come in and run a few adventures at low levels to really get the world set in and good. And then take that group to really go through that world and see what this whole place has to offer. Cause mm-hmm. there's so much to do. So it's super fun. Um, other than that, we played on our Wednesday games, which is our Tomb of Annihilation. This is my get to sit back and watch Danimal do some great d- dungeon mastering. I get to play a cool war mage that I love to play. Um, very high combat ratio when you're diving into some of the dungeons of Tomb of Annihilation. There's definitely plenty of opportunity in Tomb of Annihilation to do RP stuff. And there's lots of encounters that'll happen that can be very RP centric, but the one we're in now is very combat centric. And I, I noticed one thing that I thought was really interesting. And I thought I'd bring up to you too, is that we went two solid sessions from start to finish. We were in role initiative or we were continuing from a previous initiative and we were just battling, 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 battling. And I love it. Enjoyed it. Our whole parties loved it. But he, at the end of it was like, and it must be because maybe he has a group that, wouldn't like this as much but he was like hey guys are you okay with it's a lot of combat i know there's not been a lot of other stuff we were doing are you okay with you know just having session after session of combat so six hours of combat basically oh wow yeah we're like yeah we love it we absolutely are are loving it but i bet there are a lot of players out there so what about you are you what kind of player are you for how much combat you like, how much RP you like, how much whatever else you like? No, uh, I really like it. And from I, a player standpoint. From yeah. a player standpoint, I really like combat. And I uh, brings me back to, I played a Saver Dice game, and mm-hmm. there was one particular session where it was, I think those games were two hours long. Yeah. And we did two hours of just role play. And then when we finished... I remember that the a lot of the party a lot of the people in the game were just like that was so cool. We didn't have any combat. Like how cool was that? And mm-hmm. in my mind I'm just like I like combat. Like yeah. that was 2 hours of talking which is fine, but like we we literally rolled dice maybe twice for like a couple of skill checks, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm like I just kind of like I don't know, I enjoy fighting things. It's part of the game. It's it's an aspect of the game. It's like combat is something I enjoy. So, um yeah, and then um, I'll talk about this a little bit more, but we ended up having a two-hour combat against some really tough monsters in uh, my game that I'm playing in as my Warforged fighter, my Warforged Eldritch Knight, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a blast. And like we finished and we kind of closed up, and we're like, I guess we'll close, we'll stop the game there, and everyone 
uh, was just like, that was a really epic fight. And it was awesome because it was just so long and it was so touch and go and people were dying. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy combat, but that's yeah. me. And I, I know there's a big group out there that love the RP and it feels like when you watch the streams, like if you're getting into the hobby right now, you, it's easier to get the impression that it's maybe 60 or maybe 70% RP and maybe 30% or 40% combat. Mm -hmm. But in my games, it's been totally flip. I mean, it's like 80% combat and mm -hmm. 20% RP and that's the game i love so if yeah. you're that person out there just remember even though on a lot of the streams that you'll watch maybe it's a little bit different than the than the style that you might like now if you love the rp then you're in a perfect time because rp is really good right now with a lot of people the way people run games they they do a lot of the rp stuff and you can get into a lot of good rp games and i think too but don't worry there's lots of good combat games i think what people think is combat game combat heavy games aren't as fun for a audience to watch right as much as maybe an rp heavy game is because most of the time the theory is that the audience is there to watch the characters be the characters and that's what they that's what keeps drawing them out and keeps bringing them back and you watch critical role it's not because you're wondering who's hitting who with a sword it's because you're really getting into watching them be those characters yeah. and how those characters do things and that's perfect it's great i wish i, I could do that kind of stuff but i can't because i'm the type of person that and i think it's because i don't do the voices my npcs aren't necessarily super different i describe them differently but i don't think i act them out differently in the mm. in the narrative as much as i should or could or have practice to do like i don't have as good dialogue as in my mind that's happening when, mm. when i think of the adventure i think oh this would be cool but the way it actually plays out doesn't really turn out that way and sometimes my players aren't great with that either they just want to get on to can we hit something now or like is something going to try to hit me and i can do something you know so that's the type of group i have and i just wanted to bring it up because it just always shows me that there are many different ways to play the game and mm -hmm. just find the style you like. If you like a combat game, then go out of your way to find that combat game. Don't feel like, well, I'm just going to have to play the, the RP game. You know, go look for that combat game because you'll be able to find eventually with enough searching and enough looking around the right group of players. I mean, Jordan found a group from his local game store that started out as adventure league people that you yep. met and turned into a great party that has been running bunches of campaigns with, or he has his home group. I have my, I have my friends that I have from other hobbies. And then I have fans of the show that came and played in the game and I could run a campaign with them at any time. Cause they were all great. All the people we got, they were fantastic players too. So just look out there for the type of game you want. Don't feel like you have to settle if it's not the type of game you like, because there should be plenty of options these days to find the type of game you do like. Or run the type of game you like. I'm sure there are lots of players that want to want to jump in and play in your game. So, Yeah. So that's cool. And I have one, one last point for me. So that was my Mondays, two Mondays, two Wednesdays. We're not going to have a Monday this week just because... I'm going to get ready for Gen Con and I just felt like we hit our we hit our end point for chapter 1 
and I just wanted some breathing room to get ready for chapter two and do some downtime stuff. So we're doing a bunch of downtime RPing and we're doing a bunch of, um, and that's through the discord chat, right? The discord, yeah. Yeah. In the discord, which is super cool. Another good way to keep the RP going. And what I have found is my players who don't like to do it during the session are fantastic story writers. Mm -hmm. They're not story speakers or character um, actors, but they are fantastic when they get a moment to sit down and say, my character goes back to the bar and has this interaction with these other people. They're writing some fantastic stuff in that Discord, and it's so good. So maybe that's where our RP is actually happening. But I did have one last thing I put down as my note. That was my Monday and my Wednesday. If Jordan doesn't take up all the time, which he probably will because I only left him somewhere around 10 minutes. But I <laughs> want to know, did Jordan finish Stranger Things, but after he tells us about his games? Okay. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so games that Jordan? I played. Um, running Ghosts of Saltmarsh still. Um, having lots of fun with that. Uh, my players were hired this time to explore a lizard folk lair. Um, and so they went to go check this out and they kind of like stealthed in, they ran into some bullywugs and had a fun combat there. And then, uh, they got to basically like a door to this kind of cave entrance. Um, and I was really surprised cause I thought they were going to go in guns a blazing, but they decided to be diplomatic and they walk in and they try to talk to the lizard folk. Well, the lizard folk don't speak common. They only speak draconic. Nobody in the party speaks draconic. So it was really a funny thing at the table where we were doing hand gestures and like, kind of like, like, do you want food and trying to like communicate with each other. And that was something that I had not done in a game before um, mm -hmm. where we were, we were like, no, they, we don't speak the same language. So you got to figure out a different way of communicating. Ultimately, they were like, well, we want to show them we're not hostile. So they all put down their weapons. And I had one of my lizard folk go and pick up all their weapons and they allowed it. And they ended up taking them to like the, the lizard folk queen who does mm -hmm. speak common. And so then we got to talk it out and we got to figure out what's going on and things like that. And, and so that was just something that I thought was really neat. Um, they ended up being they got another quest from the queen to go do something. Um, to kind of like help out the colony to see whatever. And, and they're, they're just exploring and, and things like that. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm really excited for our next couple of sessions because uh, they'll finally get out into the ocean. Um, we have not, it's ghosts of salt marsh. It's a w aquatic adventure, but we haven't actually been out on the ocean yet. So this one will be really good. And I can use a lot of the ocean stuff in the back of the book. And so instead of, of being like, here's your quest, you go do your quest. I think I'm going to have them out at sea for a couple of weeks, um, looking for what they're looking for. And I'm going to roll on random tables to see what happens. Uh, and I'm really excited for that. So that's going to be lots of fun. You know, that reminds me, mm -hmm. Jeremy Crawford talked about a broken magic item in Secrets of Saltmarsh. Really? You go out and check out, I think he put out an addendum or they put out a thing that talked about fixing that because it, okay. there's something about like maybe the, the item works permanently and it wasn't meant to be a permanent thing. It was meant to have a duration or something. And it has to do with letting players breathe underwater or something. So you might go look that oh, up. Okay. Um, some broken magic item that slipped through. Yeah, um, I'll have to go check it out. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll I'll Google that right as I get done with this because I'm <laughs> curious. Um, and then uh, my Shadowfell game, we're still trying to figure out a time to meet. People mm -hmm. have been busy. It's summer. There's vacations going on and things like that. So we haven't actually met yet. But I did prep quite a bit. Um, I've got uh, Gloomrot, Shadowfell, 
Shadowfell, Gloomrod, and Beyond, which is a fourth edition supplement about the Shadowfell that is really like a big sandbox that they can go play in. So I've been I've been using that book and, and translating it to fifth edition and kind of making little Shadowfell locations. And then when I have all of those locations and I have all of these adventures they can go on within the Shadowfell, all I have to do is build some like random roll tables of monsters I want to fight. So I go to Kobold Fight Club uh, and I pick a bunch of monsters that are equivalent and I kind of build roll tables like that. And I'm like, okay, now I now when I need something for them to fight, like they're traveling and they, they roll bad on their stealth or something like that, I can roll on the table and see what happens. Um, so yeah, I, I prepped a little bit of that. Um my Greyhawk game is really fun. I'm playing a cleric named Anger as well as a, a fighter named Jarmy. It is a BX D&D game. So it is original D&D or basic slash expert D&D, um, which I appreciate playing like other versions of D&D. But I can mm-hmm. definitely see that we have improved on the overall experience, I feel, with later editions. You know, they, they, they obviously, it, it's not like this is just some pure magical form of D&D that we're like, why isn't everybody playing this? So, uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. And that game is today on the Greyhawk channel at uh, 2 or 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So you can check us out there. Um, and I'll, I'll be playing in that. And that's really fun. And then uh, the crazy thing that happened is oh, my, my Warforged game. Oh, well, I wanted to put, I wanted oh, to one note. One, I had a question. What's the level you're playing in that game? The the cleric. The oh, the cleric. Game. He is now level three. Okay. So it's a level three basic edition game. Yeah. And well, we were two, level one. We've been leveling up. So. Got it. Okay, cool. And then number two, not only are you playing the Greyhawk game, but I was just contacted just recently too. I will be guest DMing on the Greyhawk channel starting in September. And what they wanted to do is they were looking for a GM that could keep the world in Greyhawk, but use a different system. So yeah. I'm going to use the new Monera system to run characters through the Greyhawk world. Very cool. And I think that's going to be cool. So it's going to run like a 12 session thing. Um, so they're doing a lot of cool stuff over at the Greyhawk channel. Yeah, so they're, they're growing. Out. They're definitely trying to to bring in more DMs and stuff. And that's how they got Lex and, and they mm-hmm. approached Lex, my DM as the same way. They're like, Hey, uh, we want it to be in the world of Greyhawk, but you can run any system you want. And I think he was thinking about running DCC, but he, he didn't want to spend a, a huge amount of time converting over all the gods from dungeon crawl classics to the gods in this in a uh, uh, Greyhawk and things like that. So, and we, who it's a cool chance to play original D and D BX D and D. So, um, yeah, but that's really cool. I'll look forward to that in September. Yeah. So, all right. The Warforged. Oh, so my Warforged game. So this was the one where we had like two and a half hours of combat or something. So we are underground. We uncovered a temple and we walked in and we were, and we had just fought a guy who like ran away from us and he's a big bad. And we we're kind of like, okay, he got away. Um, mm-hmm. and we stumble into this temple and we're kind of looking around and our DM says, you hear that big bad, he's coming back this way. He's, he's walking towards that temple and he's with somebody and we're like, oh crap. So Jordan's like, I hide. So I hide. Well, the rest of the party said, oh, I put up this defensive spell or I like set up an ambush or I do this. And I'm like, we're going to fight this guy. We cannot fight this guy. Like, what are you doing? But I mm-hmm. think it's also uh, spoilers. We win. But I think that is because uh, fifth edition D&D is very favored towards the player rather than the monster. 
<laughs> because I was very surprised that we won. But he came back and his friend turned out to be a polymorphed dragon. So we fought an adult, I think it was an adult dragon and a planar celestial, planar celestial um, in this tiny temple and fireballs going left and right, all this stuff. I'm like hacking and slashing with my sword and doing all these things. Our, our warlock died for real. And I had a resurrection stone, uh, a, a magical stone that we had cast resurrection into earlier. And I broke that open and used it on him. And he came back. Um, we won by the skin of our teeth that mm-hmm. just barely won. And we're like, okay, we take a short rest. Cause obviously people are at like one hit point. Some of them are, are, I mean, super beat up. We have no spell slots left. It was, it was down to the wire fight. And then our DM says, well, all the commotion you made upstairs fighting these people, there's someone coming up this, the, coming down the hallway. And we're like, great. So he had enough time to cast Liaman's tiny hut. Um, a lot of them go in there and hide because they'll be protected in there. And I still had like 60-ish hit points. So I'm like, I'll like figure out what this is. If I need help, you guys can pop out and shoot things. It'll be fine. Um, so I go to attack this guy and the warlock, who I think at the time had like 10 hit points, was like, oh, well, I'll help you. And so he jumps up next to me. Um, we fought a creature called a void racked mage from Creature Codex, from Kobold Press, Creature Codex. And this All is right. a mage that has basically like a black hole in his chest. And cool. and he, he pulls you into this void, to this dimensional whatever. So he, he opens with that. He casts this thing. I failed or I succeeded on my save, so I didn't get pulled in. But the warlock did. And the warlock gets pulled in. He takes some damage. And so I'm like, well, I have to get him out. Clearly, this is a concentration type spell or something. So Mm -hmm. I'll just hit the mage with my sword as many times as possible to, like, force concentration checks. Um, And I should say that the mage was weakened earlier by the rest of my crew before he, he pulled us in. But it was my turn. Our warlock is gone. I walk up. I hit it twice. The thing dies. And our DM just kind of like gets quiet and says, well, um, I'll just read this to you. And I, I brought it up the PDF and it says <laughs> uh, creatures trapped in the void when the event horizon collapses are lost and can only be restored with a wish or true resurrection spell. And we're like, what? And on top of the, the um, our warlock getting in now dying now lost forever inside an extra dimensional space. Like who knows where mm-hmm. he had the MacGuffin. Like we've been looking for this book, this, this codex for like a long, long time. We had found it cause we just destroyed this planar and this, uh, uh, dragon and they had the book on them. And we're like, Oh my gosh, we have the book. We can finally go to the service. We can complete our quest. We can do all this awesome stuff. And he's, he took the book and he got sucked in. And so now the book is lost too. Um, so I'm really curious what's going to happen this Sunday when we play, because mm-hmm. I want to know, like, A, is he, is he going to be resurrected? Like, are we going to figure out a way to resurrect him? We're level 10. And mm-hmm. then B, um, how do we get this book back? Like, what is going on? So it was a it was a crazy weekend of D&D, and uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, the Warlock was a little bitter that he, he survived this huge fight and then just kind of like got sucked into nothing and died. But uh, I think that's D and D in a way too, you know, like there's, there's dangers. And the DM was very clear. He's like, no, like this guy was there. Like you guys were making noise. He would have come up. He's not a hard monster, but 
you just <laughs> failed your save. Like, I'm really sad. So that's what yeah. makes it bitter too. I think when a player makes that and they feel like they have that one chance and they yeah. miss that save. And then you feel like you don't have anything else you can do as a player. Yeah. You're Which maybe like, this oh. is something we should talk about more in depth next week when we have some more time. But like, yeah. I think that'd be a good conversation because there are a few monsters. Like I was thinking, I think the intellect devourer is like that where you can fail a save and the intellect devourer teleports into your brain, eats it and you're gone. Like you have no brain. So yeah. they have to do some crazy kind of like healing or resurrection magic in order to bring you back because we can't just cure wounds and no brain, you know? Yeah. Um, and or there are certain monsters like that. There, yeah. There's certain monsters like that in D and D and it's yeah. just kind of crazy. And this was one of them and it was really interesting. So yeah. Yeah. That, those kinds of things have happened like in Chris Perkins's game, we've seen that kind of stuff. And that's the point where as a, a dungeon master, I think you get the ability to say, all right, they're going to do something extraordinary to try to fix this situation, but this gives me some big thing to hold over their head. They're making some deal with somebody that has huge ramifications if they're going to move heaven and earth to bring this person back for their, you know, for whatever yeah. reason. So I think that's cool. No, it is. And it's going to start a whole new storyline, maybe a whole new campaign of trying to bring him back, not only because he's our friend and we want to bring him back, but also to get that book. We need that right. MacGuffin. And so, you're playing next week? This Sunday, yeah. Oh, this Sunday, tomorrow. Yeah, gotcha. tomorrow. Yeah, so I'm playing tomorrow, tomorrow we'll um, and we'll find out what our what what happened, you know, the aftermath of it, and mm-hmm. see if that turns into a whole new new game. Basically, is and this one's not streamed like. or recorded, right? Nope, nope. None oh, of my games are none of my games are streamed or recorded. We just play. Um, <laughs> although uh, that brings me to my next point is that um, I've been thinking about doing some GM prep live streams. So maybe Mm -hmm. Friday or Saturday afternoons, I'll take like a long lunch from work. I'll come home and I'll stream for 45 minutes because I have to do the prep anyway. And it would be Mm -hmm. fun to just do it in front of you guys um, and prep my salt marsh game and my, uh, my other game. So you guys can kind of see like, that's how Jordan preps. So I'm making overlays and I'm working on stuff and we'll see if that happens, but that'll, I think that'll be fun. I'm just trying to, trying to always thinking about trying to do more stuff with the channel. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and I haven't talked to you about this, but I've been th- wanting to play DCC lately, and I'm wondering if I should do like a a month long like four session DCC game with you guys online, and we can oh, stream that fun. and record it and put it on the channel on probably the Saturday morning D and D show channel or something. So uh, yeah, that'd be super fun. Because <laughs> uh, I just really like that system, and I've been wanting to play it. I play a lot of D and D, and I don't get to play enough um, DCC. Yeah. Anyway, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Anything you need to say before we take off, sir? No, thanks everybody for showing up. Make sure you go to the comments of the video if you're watching the YouTube video later or even the VOD and just let us know what you thought. Let us know what we could do more of. Make sure you go and check out the podcast and we could always use reviews and thumbs ups and likes and all those kinds of things to help keep that thing building and tell your friends. Let's start getting this community bigger because I think we're doing really good stuff here and I think it's fun to really reach out to our audience and just expand it. Yeah, for sure. Super fun. I'm excited. I'm going to be excited for the next week long nonstop. My excitement is not going any lower from now till I return home next Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And finally, to answer your question, yes, I did finish stranger things. It was really good. Um, Uh, What'd you think about season season three? Season one is better. I think I really like season one. Season three is so good for me. I (laughs) I love it more than season one now. 
lots of fun there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for watching us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and rating and doing all those really cool things. We really appreciate it. Um, we will see you possibly next week, but if not in two weeks with another episode of the Saturday morning D and D show. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.